Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Because we're going to be looking at something that I believe we all as believers need to strive for, and that is having faith in the Lord. Faith is one of these words we throw around casually. You hear about it in church. We sing about it. We talk about it. You sports athletes all the time just talk about faith. But we need to see some biblical examples of people in the Bible who have had faith. And that's what we call the Hall of Faith. You've always heard of the Hall of Fame. And these would be great people in sports who had great achievements. Well, this chapter here in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, is what we call the Hall of Faith. If your name is mentioned in here, you, did, you had tremendous faith in the Lord, and God did great things. Many of these folks had great challenges as well. And we want to be faithful to the Word of God, and so we want to look, and, and we need to know this chapter. Because this is, this is an example for us for how we can live our life. So I think a working definition of faith is actually in verse 1. We hear about this word all the time, but here it is. Verse 1 really lays the foundation for this entire chapter as well as for our lives. And the reason why faith is so important is because faith is involved in what we call the doctrine of salvation. If you want to share the gospel with someone, if you want to teach someone how to be saved, you need to tell them two things. Two things to get saved. Number one, you have to repent of your sins. Repentance is turning away from your old way of life. That means the person who's a drunk drops his bottle. The person who's an adulteress no longer chases women anymore. The person who used to swindle money from other people, all of a sudden, they give it back, they return what's not theirs. There is a genuine change in their life. That's how we can look at someone and tell, okay, this man, this woman, they're saved because their life has changed. When you meet someone and there is no change whatsoever in their life, have you ever heard the phrase fruit inspectors? I don't really use that phrase. I would caution against using that because the Bible never tells us to go around inspecting people's fruit. But what they actually mean when they say that is you should be able to look at someone's life. And it should, as a believer, it should be striving to match up with the Scriptures. And not only that, if it's not, and you talk to them about, hey, you, you shouldn't have said this, you shouldn't have said uh, this type of language, you know, words, it was, um, uh, it, it, it's, it's positive. They, they, they know this is wrong. Yesterday, I've got Beecher McCarty, he's our worship leader, David, at the 1115 service. Now remember too, next Sunday, there's only one morning service at 11.15. There's no 8.45 service. 11.15, you're going to come to church. We've got baptism. We've got a special choir Easter music next Sunday. I was running a race with 2,000 people with Beecher. I've got them hooked on running now. We were at Keeneland yesterday morning at 10 a.m. And we were, we were going down. This is just the race has started off. And runners... Um, you would think they're young, but I'm actually one of the younger ones. I would say the average age at these races, Dave, is probably 55. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's an older crowd. We're running, Beecher's next to me, and we're going down this, and they, they, they bring these DJs. Now, if the average age is 55, and it's typically people who are trying to get healthy, would you be playing rap music with explicit language all in it? So that's the, we're, we're running, taking off, and we're listening to this music. I just look around, 
the clientele that we had did not match up whatsoever with the type of music they were playing. And Beecher spoke up and said, why do they have to play this? Like, why, why do we need to hear these type of words? Now, here's what I'm talking about repentance. A lot of times in the presence of me, people say that because they're with, they're with the preacher. Now, you speak up and say something like that. Hey, we don't need to be listening to this type of garbage music. This is what repentance is. But then, if we got on mile two and Beecher's cussing me out at mile two because he's getting tired, I would think, wait a minute. You just said earlier about how bad this is, and here you are using these words. Now, he didn't do that because I ran ahead of him. But I, uh, it could have. I wasn't with him, though, at that point by mile two. But the point is, the principle for us, that's what the Bible calls hypocrisy. And Jesus preached against this. A life of repentance is one that what the Bible condemns as sin, you as a, me as believers, we don't practice that. Now you say, okay, that's part of salvation. What's the other part? The other part is having faith in God. A simp the simplest definition of faith and we're going to find it right here. Verse 1. Here we go. Look in your Bibles. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for. That means we have this hope for heaven. We long for the kingdom of God. And that's a reality. Meaning you believe it's going to happen. You believe Jesus died on a cross. You believe Jesus rose again. That's what it means, the reality. You can't see it. You have this longing hope for something that's beyond what you can see. The proof of what is not seen. Faith in the simplest definition is believing God. You can't see God. We cannot mathematically prove God. God isn't going to appear to us and say, look, here I am. Go ahead and let the world know. We don't have personal secret revelations with God. Faith, the type of belief God is looking for, is that we believe God even though physically we do not see them. We don't see Him face to face. We know about God through His written Word. We know about God through answered prayer. We know about God through just the, the, the devotional life of crying and calling out to the Lord on an individual basis. And He hears and He answers those prayers. That type of lifestyle of believing in God, knowing this is a reality, even though it can't be seen, even though it can't be proven, you know that He's there, and then living a life of repentance. Faith and repentance is salvation. And they're inseparable. The person who's saved believes God. The person who believes God repents and turns from their sins. They don't live their life as a hypocrite. There's a difference. Faith and repentance. That is the clearest way for us to teach someone how to be saved. So when I lead that sinner's prayer, and I led it today at the 1115 service, I believe I led it last Sunday night, at last Sunday night service. What you're actually praying in the sinner's prayer. You're telling God, God, I believe you. I know you're there even though I can't see you because there's a reality of you. But not only that, God, do I believe you. My life is going to change to match up to what I believe. The hypocrite is the one who says he believes, who says he trusts the Lord, Yet, his lifestyle does not match up to that. That is biblical salvation. So that's what he's talking about. This is the reality. So this entire chapter here is of showing us what this reality looks like for us. For by this, our ancestors were approved. Do you want to be approved by God? Do you want God to approve your life? Do you want to find divine favor upon the Lord? Do you want your family to receive God's favor? We want our church to receive God's favor. We want God to bless Broadway Baptist Church. 
We want God to bless the internet people watching right now to receive a blessing from the Lord. That's what it means to receive God's approval. So, so what does it mean to, to get approved by God? So here are the examples. He's going to show us, the author of Hebrews, how we do this. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Our world, God spoke and it came into existence. We did not evolve from apes. We didn't just uh, appear one day. Our existence, this world, came from God. It's not an accident. Math doesn't prove it. We're not here looking in science books to discover the origins of the universe. It came from when God spoke in the beginning, God. There it is right there. God is the beginning. God said, He spoke, let there be light. Bam! At that point, the moment He spoke, the moment He said, let there be light, the universe came into existence. The Word of God. That's why we as Christians hang on the Word of God. Because if God spoke it, it's true. And we as believers, we long, we, we live for the truth. We want to be faithful people to what is true. So here it is. So the, the, we, we understand the world from a worldview that God, that He is the Creator, He is the Sustainer, and listen to this, He is the Ender of all things. There are so many folks. Do you know what, do you know what's... The, our world, not just America now, our world is on pins and needles, so scared of uncertainty. You turn on the news, they're talking about weapons of mass destruction. What are weapons of mass destruction? That's biological, chemical in this order, and nuclear weapons. They're worried about Russia using these and blowing up people. And they're worried, people are, about the United States. And by the way, Russia has more nuclear weapons than any other country on earth. Russia could use these against us. But for us as Americans, and we, we live in a time, Russia and the United States aren't on friendly relations right now. You have two countries that have... Weapons of mass destruction that aren't best friends. In many ways, it's a return to the old Cold War of what it was. The Cold War, many of you were there, you remember, it was the fear that at any moment we could go to war with the Soviet Union. But for we as believers, the Bible tells us that we should not live our lives in total fear of weapons of mass destruction. Many people are. Folks that have no hope in Christ. People who are scared to death. Folks, our hope, it's not in politics. Washington is going to fail. That's a promise. God, He is going to bring the end. God holds our future in the hand. The Bible tells us how Jesus is going to come back. We don't need to worry about the world blowing itself up and blowing each other up because that's not what the Bible says it's going to end. The Bible's going to end by Jesus coming back. He's going to come back. There will be difficult days leading up to that. And listen, we could be in nuclear war. That could happen. But we as believers, we have a message for our city and our community that is rock solid. It's one that is we stand on faith in Christ. We are blessed to be able to come and worship at a church like this. A Bible-believing church that stands on the Word of God. They're few and far between. We're blessed to be a church that wants to reach people from the continent of Africa, realizing we have a missions opportunity to use this 6 o'clock service to reach people who are from Africa. Do you know, after 
Asia, which, by the way, the Middle East is in Asia. The next country that the gospel went to, the Ethiopian eunuch, went to Africa. He goes, the first three continents were Asia, mainly the Middle East part of Asia, Africa, and then what we call the Macedonian call on Paul's second missionary journey and going up into Europe. That's how the gospel advanced. And we get to play a key part in reaching our city for doing that. So the Bible tells us here that we are different. We live by things that are not seen. And I want to share how that means. That means what we, what we live by. Logic and science only go, take you so far. Because at some point, we trust the Lord. Do you know every single time you pray for a healing? Do you know what you're doing? You're praying beyond what science can show. You're praying that God will heal this person. That maybe they have an incurable disease. Or maybe the, the odds are stacked against them. You're playing, praying for a miracle. And God is a God of miracles. We want to pray for a miracle to happen here. I want to tell you, a miracle is anytime someone gets saved. A miracle is any time a prayer gets answered. A miracle is any time that you trust the Lord into something. Says, God, I trust you in this situation. I want to see a miracle. Miracle stuff that doesn't add up. And we trust, that, to trust our Lord with that. So here we go. Verse 4. By faith, Abel, he offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. That means there is a difference when we bring our sacrifices to God. I'll tell you, there is a difference when you come to church if you're in a spirit of worship. It is hard to preach to people today. Do you know why? Folks, they play on their phone. I'm not kidding. There's a spirit of distraction all around us out there. You talk to a young person. They literally cannot talk to you more than about five or ten minutes. They have to check their phone someone could text them. The president, Jesus, their mother, I don't know, someone's going to click like on their Instagram. There's breaking news that's about to happen. And the Bible's telling us that when we come to worship the Lord, the sacrifice we bring, you can bring something that, that Cain brought. Cain brought Something very plain and simple. He brought something, some grain, some vegetables. And Abel, he brought an animal. It cost him more. There was a cost that was involved. God looked on favor with what Abel did. Abel, he risked his, he lost his life for that sacrifice. The first person who ever died in the Bible is Abel. He was killed by Cain. And the reason he was killed was because God looked upon him more with favor. Remember this morning's sermon? Why did the Jews want to execute Jesus? Because of envy. Envy is when you are discontent with your situation, and you don't like the person who has received favor. The Jewish religious leaders did not like the fact that Jesus was more popular, that Jesus was receiving a bigger following, that Jesus was smarter than them, and they had envy. Cain envied his brother. The same old sin of envy not only did kill Jesus, Folks, it killed the very first murder. Abel died of the same thing Jesus died of. Envy. When God looked upon favor, it's hard for us when we don't, when we don't receive maybe what we deserved. When we don't feel God showed His favor upon us. That's why we can never take God's favor for granted. God is blessing our church. God is bringing us in days of revival. 
I want to tell you, we have more visitors coming to this church now than I believe ever. We now have Welcome Center with workers out there at both services. The ladies that are running that Welcome Center constantly are telling me about person after person after person that they're meeting. And we give them their welcome bags and we refill the welcome bags. Listen, in two weeks, are you praying for revival on Easter? Do you know God will bring lost people to hear the gospel on Easter? A lot of people, they only go to church on Easter. It's just kind of their family thing they do. They come. And we want to be praying for who can we invite. And not only that, are they going to be open to an invitation? We want God's favor. But here's the thing about God's favor. God's favor might be blessing our church right now. But that doesn't mean it will always be that way. When a church strays away from a gospel focus, when a church turns internally, when Christians start fussing and fighting over silly issues such as money. And by the way, the Bible, remember, says you can't serve both God and money. A lot of times people are going to be fighting at church. They're usually not fighting over God. They're, they're fussing over money. And when that becomes your priority, you lose God's favor with that. With that. And the, folks, this applies in your personal life. You can worry yourself sick about money. And you lose the favor of the Lord. Now it says here, by faith he was approved as a righteous man. Why? Because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. Abel speaks to us today. The Bible says Abel is the first man to ever die. What an honor for Abel. Very first funeral was Abel. He died. Buried by his brother Cain in the ground. Not much of a burial. God had to call him out for it. He says, I hear your brother's blood. It's crying out to me. How do, what do you mean he speaks by faith? Abel trusted the Lord and he gave his best sacrifice to God. That is how he speaks to us. He's telling us the same. We live our lives of giving our best to the Lord. And our best includes so many different areas. Our Sunday best, how we present ourselves. Our best in our offerings. Our best in our attitude when we come to worship. Our best in our attention towards the Lord. When we give our best, we're saying, God, all areas, my time, I want to tell you, if you fall asleep or you run out of your time and your day for your daily quiet time, that means you didn't give God your best. If you aren't having a quiet time, that means you've mismanaged your day. God gets the best. That's what he, how he speaks to us today. Look here in your Bible. We're about to see the Hall of Fame. The very first member is the man who was first murdered, who speaks to us today, and that's Abel. Number two, verse five. By faith, Enoch was taken away, and so he did not experience death. Who is Enoch? Enoch, it says, after he had Methuselah, at 300 years old, this man, remember before, before the flood, folks lived like eight and 900 years. Enoch gave birth to a man named Methuselah, who lived the longest, 969 years. That's how old he is. And it says Methuselah all of a sudden one day was no more. God took him home. He never even experienced death. God called him up. He was not found because God took him away. But before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God. Folks, we can't even please the Lord. Abel and Enoch, they pleased God because they believed Him. These are men who walked with God. Since the one who draws near to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Meaning, God is looking for you and I. People who actually believe the Lord, 
the way we believe the Lord is we seek out after the Lord, and that brings that's that's pleasing to God. Seeking the Lord means God, before I do something, I'm gonna pray about it. I'm gonna ask you about it. Lord, I'm gonna cry and call out to you and draw near to you about this. Anytime you make a big decision, you should be seeking after the Lord. Maybe not even a, a big decision. It might be even a small decision. There is a warning here that you must believe that He exists. I want to warn you. If you know of an atheist, if you know of someone who's not a believer, you need to be careful about spending too much time with a non-believer. Because the way they think is should be radically different their worldview is different than your worldview. You believe the Lord. You draw near to the Lord. You seek out after the Lord. And folks, they don't. They don't consult and look out after the Lord. There's a contrast to how we live our lives. That there is Enoch. Verse 7. Then number 3. By faith, Noah. He's in the Hall of Fame after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, what did he do? He built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. The flood. Do you know what it did? It's a, it's a condemnation on the world. Noah and his family are the only ones who believed God. Could you imagine? Eight people believed the Lord. All the millions of other people were in rebellion against God. If you ever feel you're alone, just think of Noah. He believed the Lord and he was motivated. It said he, the ark was his deliverance. It says he did this by faith and he's an heir of righteousness. By faith, number four, Abraham, when he was called, what did he do? Verse eight, he obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive at his inheritance. He went out even though he did not know where he was going. God called Abraham from a land called the Ur of the Chaldeans, which is in the current day a rock near the Euphrates River. In the middle of nowhere, God spoke to this man and called him and says, I'm going to make you, Abraham, into a great nation. You and Sarah are going to have millions and billions of descendants from you. They were barren, they were old, but they believed God. Abraham, by faith, did this. He didn't even know where he was going. Do you know for us, one of our challenges that we we struggle with. I struggle with this. We question God to death. If God calls and tells you to do something, do you know what we start doing? We start asking questions. How much does it cost? What's the requirement? How much time is it going to take? What if it doesn't work out? And we, we, ex we over-examine what God has called us to do. You can actually kill anything by asking a million and one questions. You can question anything to death and create such hypothetical situations that it will be doomed for failure. And you can just live in fear. Abraham did not know the Lord. God called and chose Abraham and says, you're going to go to this new land. The man obeyed God. He just believed the Lord. He trusted the Lord. I want to tell you, some of us, we need to look to Abraham. We are just, some of you tonight, you are just struggling God. God might not be calling you to uh, go to a new land. He might be calling you in your commitment to church. He might be calling you to be a commitment in a personal, daily, quiet time. He might be calling you to invite your neighbor who does not go to church to go to church. Folks, I went home from church this afternoon and was somewhat sad. So what was sad about it? Our next door neighbor 
was having a big party next door. Say, what's wrong with that? They didn't go to church. Had all their family over. They were having a good time. And they're, they're unchurched. And what I experienced on Sunday morning, sitting in that pew right there, worshiping, praising, and honoring the Lord, they did not have that joy. Their joy was family time. Their joy was the barbecue. Their joy was eating. And for us, for me, God is speaking and saying, you know, so some of the things, you, some of the places, Dan, you need to be going, it might be next door. Who do you know that needs to get saved, that is unchurched? God's placing in your life people that you need to go to. By faith, verse 9, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents as the promised land, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect is, and builder is God. That means God, God built the nation of Israel. But not only that, God, he's talking about Jerusalem, he's talking about the nation, God's also the architect and builder of your life. God's the builder of your home. God's the builder of this, this church here. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. Therefore, from one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky, and all the innumerable as the grains of sand along the seashore. These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised. But they saw them from a distance, greeted them and confessed them as they were foreigners and temporary residents on earth. Do you know the Bible tells us here that they saw all these things from a distance? Meaning, they did not get to see Jesus they didn't get to experience the Holy Spirit. They don't have access to the Holy Ghost that we have tonight. They can't personally say, the Spirit of the Lord was with me through Jesus. The Holy Spirit came through Pentecost. He is with us today now. Back then with Abraham, they believed and trusted in God the Father. At that point, Jesus had not made Himself known. The Holy Spirit had not come on like it did in Pentecost. And they, there wasn't the fullness yet. It had not come. The promise hadn't been fulfilled. So what, but what is, is they were still able to have faith. And I want to reference two other verses here before we keep going about Abraham. Because our faith is so important when we talk about Abraham. Abraham is what we call the father of our faith. And this is why it's so important. Abraham did two things that sets him apart from all others. Number two, or number one, there's a necessity of the faith. Genesis, I have this up here on the screen since I can't see. Genesis 15, 6 tells us, I'll read it. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He was credited by God as being righteous. How? Because he believed the Lord. And then, not only was it he received that credit, in Genesis twenty-two twelve, there is an accomplishment with Abraham and his faith. He had a great accomplishment. Abraham was called. He received this promise that he was going to have a great nation from his son, Isaac. And then God told him to go kill and sacrifice his son. And Abraham, because he believed God, he didn't understand it, but he was a man that believed the Lord. Right when he was about to kill Isaac, Genesis twenty-two twelve says, God spoke out and says, Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. That's a picture of Jesus coming. That's a fulfillment of what's going to happen. And what occurred there 
Abraham believed the Lord. God credited him as righteousness. Not only did Abraham believe, Abraham acted and was going to accomplish his faith. He was going to kill his one and only son. And then God stopped him. And God saw, okay, Abraham, I now see your heart. I now see that you believe. Keep going here in your Bibles. Verse 14. Now, those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have an opportunity to return. But now they desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Do you long for heaven? Do you look forward to what's to come? Do you anticipate being with the Lord? The men, the, these men and women here, they were longing for something more. They knew this was not their homeland. Our home is in heaven with the Lord. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. He received the promise, and yet he was offering his, his one and only son. The one whom it had been said, your offspring will be traced through Isaac. He considered God to be able to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received from him back, figuratively speaking, meaning he just believed God, even though he might kill his son, God could bring him back to life. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, this is Israel, when he was dying, he blessed each of his sons and he worshiped, leaning on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, as he was nearing the end of his life, mentioned the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions concerning his bones. What's amazing about Joseph? Joseph knew even though he died in Egypt, his home was not going to be in Egypt. He was going back to the promised land. That came 400 years later. All of these men are known for great things they did by faith. I ask you tonight, can you look back on your life and say, son, ma'am, sir, what have you done that has been a bold step of faith for Jesus? What have you stepped out on in trust and did something, led something, believed something for God? This past Tuesday, our friend and a member of our church, Miss Peggy Cable, she left to go back to Uganda this past Tuesday. She sold her home. She left her friends here, and she is serving the Lord over there. Now, many of you say, Pastor, I'm not going to be able to go to Uganda. I understand that. Not everyone can. For you, it might be something as simple. Is your bold step of faith, as you begin praying people to Jesus. We've talked about this before. If you make a promise to the Lord, a commitment to God, an oath to the Lord, says, Lord, I know a lost person in my life. Do you have a grandson, a granddaughter that's not in church right now? Is there someone in your family that is not saved? And they do not worship the Lord on Sundays. Let me ask you, will you pray them to Jesus? And not only that, will you see it through? When I say pray someone to Jesus, I don't mean you pray one time. You pray someone to Jesus, you pray for years and years and decades until God breaks through and answers that prayer. That's the type of faith we need. The best thing for us to ever experience is not writing just a check and building a building or doing something that, that really isn't necessarily spiritual even. 
The greatest thing we can ever see is a lost person gets saved. All of these stories is actually leading up to people having faith in God's Son, Jesus. The, what does God desire the most? He wants to see lost people in our community, in your family, repent and believe in Jesus. And they are saved. Are you tonight willing to pray someone to, 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 to see them through? You pray through the merit breakthrough. You say, Pastor, I've got family members who are atheists, who have addiction problems, who hate God. They have no desire. I want you to know something. God knows that. And the only way to break through is to pray that through. There's someone in this church. and They sit over in this section. They're not here tonight. They actually told me, say, Daniel, I've got a family member. I am not, I'm actually, they're not allowed to talk to them about Jesus. Because the family member doesn't want anything to do with it. In fact, if they start bringing up the conversation about Jesus or church, the family member shuts down and says, no, if you talk about that, we're not, I'm going to walk away. I mean, they, bam, they shut it down. Do you know someone like that? Do you know folks that are just hardened hearts? The only breakthrough you will ever see is to pray that person to Christ. That is the greatest miracle for us to experience. Your prayer life, my prayer life, the prayer life of this church is what revival, what renewal, what walk in this aisle will experience. People getting saved. You pray people to Jesus. These men of faith, do you know what they would be doing? They'd be leading a prayer meeting. In fact, we're going to have a prayer meeting here on Good Friday at 7 o'clock. Not this coming Friday, next Friday on the 15th. I want to invite you to come. And everybody have an opportunity to pray. You come and pray for someone to get saved. That's the day Jesus died. It goes on to say here, By faith Moses, after he was born, he was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and they didn't fear the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt since he was looking ahead to the reward. Moses is a great man of faith. Moses is a man of ups and downs in his life. By faith he left Egypt behind, not being afraid of the king's anger. That's Pharaoh. For Moses persevered as one who sees who is invisible. By faith he instituted the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch the Israelites. By faith they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. When the Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. That was by faith. God, God stopped the Egyptians from attacking the Israelites. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after being marched around by the Israelites for seven days. By faith Rahab, the prostitute, welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish along with those who disobeyed. You know, Rahab was there in Jericho. And she welcomed the spies so they could see how thick the walls are. You know, it took seven days for them to march. You know, think what Paul had been like, innocent. On day six, I'm leading the march, and my name's Joshua. I'm thinking, innocent, this is getting old. Six times, people are laughing at us. Let's just stop and go back. And the breakthrough, the prayer, the walls came down on day seven. For many of you, we're so close. You're so close to that prayer being answered. And for whatever reason, we stop right before. Breakthrough. It's not one day. Not two. It took seven days. And it, guys, how goofy is this? Walking around a city... I want to tell you, do we have any walkers here? I know we do in our neighborhood. Some of you right here are smiling at me. Do you know prayer walking works? 
if you walk your neighborhood, and I tell you, spring's coming. You want to see renewal and breakthrough? You take that time, and instead of listening to music, you start prayer walking your neighborhood. You pray for those homes that don't go to church. Pray for those children that aren't attending Sunday school. Pray for revival to come about in our city. If you see someone with a gay pride parade, a flag at their home, that's a clue for you to be praying them to Jesus. That's what that, every time you see that flag, you, that, a prayer thing should go off. Instead of saying, our city's so wicked, it's immoral. No, I'm going to pray that lost soul to Jesus. They need to get saved. That's the only way for them to change. Because our culture's not going to change them. When the Republican Party's not going to change them. Nothing in Washington is going to change them. Folks, the breakthrough happened for Jericho on day seven. Some of us, we give up. We throw in the towel on day six. You're so close, the Lord is saying. And Rahab, she was the prostitute. She's the only one who was saved. Everybody else dies. And she's saved by the Lord. The most least likely person. The righteous people, the noble people, gone. The prostitute, she believed the Lord and she was saved. And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to keep going on here. We've got Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephath, he was one of the judges there in the book of Judges, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, that's what Daniel and the lions meant, Den did, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. How did they do this? Because they believed the Lord. They didn't do it. God did it. God fights our battles. Our battles are won by belief and faith and prayers to the, to the Lord. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tormented, not accepting release, so they might gain a better resurrection. And that's the better resurrection, the resurrection in heaven. Others experienced mocking and scourging as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. Say, Pastor, who was sawed in two? Many people think the prophet, Old Testament prophet of Isaiah was put in a log and sawed in two. The Bible doesn't tell us how he died, but church history teaches us, as well as this reference here, could be referencing the prophet Isaiah. They died by sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. It was just terrible times for all these people. But they all had something in common. They believed the Lord. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and in holes in the ground. Meaning they weren't promised an easy life. Their home's in heaven. These folks believed God. All these, look at this, all of these people and all these afflictions, we on a human scale would look at them and go, well, that was a miserable life they lived. That was a sad thing that happened. All these were approved, look at this, through their faith. But they did not receive what was promised. The promise is a reference there to Jesus. They did not have Jesus, these folks. These were Old Testament prophets. Since God had provided something better for us, what do we have better? We have Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit in our life. God has given us what all of these Old Testament prophets desired so that they would not be made perfect without us. So we see the picture here. In the Old Testament, men of faith were those that believed and trusted the Lord. They just lived out what God told them to do. We today, who have Jesus, who have the Holy Spirit in our life, who live according to God's Word and God's command, we're saved by the blood of Jesus. We now have a completion of faith. From the Old Testament prophets to that of Jesus Christ, we can see the big picture. So tonight, I ask you, folks, where do you stand in this? For many of us, God is looking. I think the most practical things we can do for faith is believing God 
with your prayer life. You pray through the wall. Pray through the addiction. Pray through the financial struggles. Pray through the cancer. You pray through any type of adultery or sexual immorality in your family. You pray through your grandchildren's rebellion. You pray through whatever sin you're wrestling with. You're trusting the Lord. And say, God, if you can do it in the Old Testament, if these people can do it without Jesus, I can do it because the Holy Spirit, Jesus, literally makes His home from within. This evening I ask you, where are you? Our purpose is to be approved by God. Folks, are you approved by the Lord? Does your life, does it fall in these categories of these great men of women who believed the Lord? Opportunities for you. What are the takeaways tonight? I want to encourage you to start praying for breakthrough in your prayer life. I want to encourage you to use relationships in your life, friendships, as opportunities to take these people and these conversations and point and turn them to Jesus. Any and every opportunity to take our conversation and move it to Jesus. That is God's will. That's God's plan. That's God's purpose. Tonight, are you doing that? If you are, you're living by faith. God, I pray for the folks here this evening. I pray that we look here in our Bibles a great, about these great men and women, Lord, and they are an example for us. God, Abraham, he believed you and you credited him righteousness. There might be someone who's listening. There's someone here in this audience who needs to believe in you. And they need to get saved. Lord, you are a saving God. You credit us as righteousness when we believe you. We come to you tonight in faith and repentance. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you this for this evening worship service. Lord, we pray for you to move. And we, we are bold. If Lord, if they are bold in the Old Testament, we see these great men of God. Lord, we need to be men of God here in 2022. You're looking for a generation of men and women to step out and step out and say, I believe the Lord. I hear stand in the gap. Lord, we give you this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to close this wonderful worship service with an invitation. I'm going to be standing down front. You come take my hand. You want to join our church? You want to get saved? You want to get baptized next Sunday? You make it public today. Let's stand together. David Dale's going to lead us in our song. I have decided to follow Jesus. Hymn number 434. I have decided.